Hi, my name is Vody Asimoto. Welcome back to uh, the Green and Black, a Kaleo Sports Desk podcast. Today we'll be recapping the San Jose State game, which actually I was not at this time, but my editor Reese was. Let's get right into it. So, first of all, just, you know, like we always do, opening thoughts of the game. What did you think, Reese? So, um, I think even though Hawaii lost to San Jose State, there were, I thought there were a lot of great things that they improved on, especially compared to the first three games this season. I mean, the, the defense was really strong, apart from a couple plays that ended up leading to the loss. But, yeah, they were they were really strong. I, I said last week they needed to have a, a pretty quick start on defense. And even without their top tackler, Darius Moose out in the first half, they were really good. And, you know, Todd Graham told the reporters, I think as he was leaving the re- interview room that he didn't know if he ever lost a game where his defense held the other team to like 235 yards passing and for a San Jose State offense built on passing isn't too bad I mean Nick Starkle completed about about 45 percent of his passes and he had like 50 attempts too it was just like he said it was one of those games where um, every played matter and the mistakes were amplified yeah I think something you saw on the um Offense, which I think really goes well with my opening thoughts. I I don't want to be that guy, but the offense, it. So I, I wasn't at the game, but I got to watch some highlights and everything. I, I looked at Rod Demelis Twitter, and Jesus Christ, that offense looked like no one was on the same page. I saw a lot of incompletions. So this is that that I want to get into later on the podcast, but I'll get into it now. Um. If you look at the San Jose State offense, so I got some of my sets from Bleacher Report since the ass on my phone and it's super convenient. Not a sponsor. Um, San Jose State actually didn't have any passes defensed. And yet, Chevin Cordero still went for a 46% completion percentage, which I think tells you more about the Hawaii offense than it does about the San Jose State defense. Speaking of offense, Reese, let me get your thoughts on the Hawaii offense, both good and bad. Um, I thought the offensive line was better. I know Cordero had time to throw the ball early on, but I think the only thing was is that that was more because um, San Jose State, they, they only sent like three or four people on the rush and they dropped the other seven or eight in coverage a lot, which, you know, doesn't obvious, obviously it's not going to create a lot of um, open field. And that said, when they did blitz, they blitzed really well because they picked up on the snap timing and they timed it to the point where that, his offensive, the offensive line didn't have time to adjust or pick it up as quickly. Um, that said, I think you, this is something you want to talk about. The red zone offense was stale. Like a lot of deep passes were early in the drives, but then it was like run, run, pass once they got inside the 20. And I think I saw something on Twitter where it was like, it was either like a run up the middle or back shoulder throw on the fade. And they weren't that far off. And um, you know, something else Coach Graham said was they were four of 18 on third down. They, they, he said they had to convert more third downs and put themselves in positions where they weren't in these long yardage situations. You know, I think you're giving them a little bit much credit. So one of my friends who's actually in the marching man, shout out to you, Jacob. Um, he, he actually got, since the marching man was allowed back in the stands for the San Jose State game, I talked to him a little bit about what he thought about the game. He also thought the offense was stale, and I th- I'm inclined to agree with him. I-, I think you were a little bit generous considering you said red zone offense. Their red zone passing game 
did not exist. They had what a single touchdown, which granted, granted, it was a low-scoring game, but still, a single touchdown off a one-yard Calvin Turner run. I think the red zone offense needs to be at least a little bit better. I mean, while we're talking about the red zone offense, we're, we also got to talk about the offense in general. Like, outside of the red zone, it still was bad. Like, sure, they came away with a close loss, but still, that offense could not get moving anywhere. Sure, Codero had, I think, 242 yards, I believe, passing through there. Um, Still, yet he had a 46% completion percentage. And at that, I talked about it earlier in uh, my opening thoughts. San Jose State, no passes defensed. It, it just it doesn't bode well for this Warrior offense. I, I think the, the good in this was that Cordell, it, it didn't look great. He had terrible, I, I think he had bad chemistry with his receivers this game. He, he did throw for 242 and averaged 13 um, yards on his depth of target, which I, I think wasn't bad. So, and another thing was that he, he at least spread the ball. He threw to six different receivers. Running was, you know, it was all right. But I, I think Day-Day Hunter was their leading rusher. He only had 51 yards. That That's not a great game. Oh, although one thing we do have to talk about on the offense the, the one thing that killed them, the Jared Smart fumble. Yes, that that was big. Um, you know, the, the fumble, in, was it? it was like inside the 30 or something, in, in their own 30 with four minutes to go in the fourth or something. Like that, that, was, that was a key. It was a key turnover, at, especially at a wrong time too. I mean, yeah, your defense held up and they only got three, but like I think, it, that was something Todd Graham was like, they shouldn't have been there in the first place. And then back to back to the Turner touchdown, I would also like to add that he his his athleticism was the one, was why they scored because it was initially it was a run going up the middle, and then he took his speed and bounced it all the way to the outside for the touchdown. That was that was pretty much what his how they scored. And then that's it. I also want to talk about. How cool it was to see it was they ran um a flex bone formation in the first for like a triple option and they had turner on their center remember former former quarterback and a triple option offense and you know i asked, I asked coach graham about that and he said it was just something they thought would give them an advantage and he thought that they should have run the fully the fullback belly play a lot more because they got like eight yards on one of them rather than turner keeping it on instead for himself and yeah and you know, you talked about the band. I saw, can I just say also just add, it was really nice to see them in the new complex. They sounded great. And um, I know it was kind of awkward because they were playing their halftime show and nobody's there. And, you know, after all the controversy that took place last week prior to the game, it was nice to see some people in the stands. Yeah, I mean, I used to be in marching band back in my high school days, which is both simultaneously a long time ago and not that long ago. But yeah, I, I think the band, I, I saw some recordings and you, know, you told me about it. It sounded really good. And my friend actually got to send me the video from uh, their performance and I thought it was really good. But then again, this is a sports podcast, marching bands, maybe some people consider it a sport. 
others most people don't so we'll go on we'll go talk about more football so the defense we've glowed a lot about them in so far in our show but i, I think the one or the, the one thing in past defense that i saw was um the kai Kanshiro interception you love to see that go dvs and he's a local kid from st louis that's another good thing but I, I really want to highlight the team defense, especially on the front four with the run defense. Uh, although it wasn't Tyler Nevins out there, they limited uh, Kair Robinson to only 55 yards on the ground, which, um, like we said about Daddy Hunter, he only had 51 yards. That's not great. I think limiting Kair Robinson to 55, that's a pretty good uh, performance from the run defense. You know, now that I think about it, I never did get to talk about that Jumbotron. I, I think... From the first time we stepped foot in that stadium, like I feel like I'm giving them too much, like too much of a bad rep, but that jumbotron's in a weird space. Cause like I think if you're sitting on like on, on the concrete side of the stands, you gotta like crane your neck all the way to just like look at that thing. I think it's in a weird spot. Anyway, this, this is my little tangent about something I never got to in the Portland State episode. But, um, yeah, so you talked about Todd Graham taking responsibility for some of the defensive calls. Um, I, I think something that, yeah, I wanted to get into was, despite the Connoisseur interception, I mean, that pass defense, they, they didn't have any passes defensed. It, it's, some, it's a stat that's near and dear to my heart because it's something that is really telling of how the quarterback played. E either way, and, and I think that, I mean, Starkle, he still went off for a good 235 passing yards. They had about equal passing yards in the game. So I think that shows you where the, uh, where the plays went. But let's get into some, like, weirder stats, I guess. So if you look at time of possession, Hawaii won by three minutes. Um, and it's weird because you normally think the team with more time of possession would win. I mean, they also won the turnover battle. San Jose State had two. San Jose State was even sloppier than they were. They had five penalties as opposed to, um, although in the end, San Jose State did play one more play than the Warriors, but in, in my opinion, one more play is nothing. It's like, oh, one more play? I'm a kneel. That's it. That, that could be the winning play. I mean, moving on to the third phase of the game, we talked about this last week. The special teams didn't have cataclysmic failures. Um, not so much. I, I wouldn't say cataclysmic this week, but there was that one second quarter blocked punt that I saw. Yeah, I mean, there were a couple issues. Like, again, Coach Graham, he brought that up. And that was their second punt in the last four weeks after what not having a punt blocked since, like, 2008, right? And, yeah, also, they had a missed field goal at the end of the half. They... They had a takeaway in deep in deep into San Jose State territory. And it was like maybe like 10 seconds left in the half when they got it. And they just they just couldn't take advantage of it. But there were there were a couple of things on special teams that hurt him, but their coverage unit on the punts was really good. They would I mean when you when you punt the ball eleven times, you're bound to make some great plays. And that one where they downed the punt on like the one yard line and the Kaneshiro interception was like two plays later. And, you know, that that's a great thing to see. And that's it. I want to go back to the Kaneshiro play because 
you said them you said him you said it yourself they they didn't have any passes defense i think is that correct so i wouldn't actually say they had no pass they had technically one pass defense because that kind of sure interception counts as a pass defense but outside of that nothing yeah so that, that was some so, so they had so Kanashiro was also in the postgame presser and when he was asked what they had to improve on he said the passing defense which was shocking because like again 235 yards from a team that you know passes the ball really well and that said I feel like both defenses got bailed out by a couple drops that was that was kind of a key story was that they were dropping there were a lot of drops there was a I think a trick play at the start of the fourth where, you know, the wide receiver for San Jose State slash backup quarterback, Nick Nash, threw a ball to, um, I forget who, I think it was Jermaine Braddock. And the ball just slipped through Braddock's hands in the end zone. It was going to be a touchdown. And that that was something that was shocking. And then uh, I want to go back to also time of possession. You said that the Rainbow Warriors, they had a, maybe closer to about four minutes in time of possession. But I also want to add this. Um, based on my stat sheet, they only had the ball for less than five minutes in the fourth. So that's, you You really can't, it's, it obviously it's harder to score points when you don't have the ball in your hand. Yeah, I mean, it obviously is. Um, I want to, I just want to get one thing in just because it's something that I want to talk about. I'm a feelings guy, which doesn't bode well for me as a journalist, but um you know, with Shipley having some or having a little bit, I don't know if you can blame the block punt on him with the missed field goal. I mean, you know, how long is it? Maybe before we see Kyler Halverson out there, maybe taking some um, field goal attempts. I don't think that's going to happen this year just because, um, well, first of all, I, I'm, I am kind of surprised that it's Shipley punting and not Stack because Stack's punts seem to go a lot farther. But you know, Shipley, he's still the kicker. I mean, I don't know if you noticed, but I don't know if you noticed this, but I don't think Halverson played as the kickoff specialist in the first half. It was um, Ben Falk, the other kicker on the roster, apart from Shipley, Halverson, and Stack. So, yeah, that that's something that is interesting. I don't think that's something. I think Shipley still has some his job for now, but, again, it was at a point where points weren't exactly a crucial thing i mean obviously points are great but you know it, it wasn't a super clutch kick so we'll see green and black podcast our song bit so reese what song do you think summarizes the san jose state loss oh i think to some of the game it was it was a hard fought battle i mean there were some great defenses with some unfortunate drops that allowed this game to be closer than perhaps it should have been and I believe the song that the ESPN Honolulu radio station went with was uh, Blinding Lights by The Weeknd. But uh, I think I'll go with, uh, don't, don't mock me for this one, it, it, Shake It Off, Taylor Swift. Um, like, no, seriously, like this was a tough one for Hawaii. And, you know, they thought they should have had this one and now they're one and three, but there were still some, some great things to take away from it. And, you know, I think it was like, um, Cordero said they, they can't dwell on this one and they kind of just have to move on and bounce back. I think I went in a little bit of a different direction than you. You went more from a, a team point of view. I went more from a fan point of view. I, I'd like to think I'm the voice. 
I'd like to be the voice for the fans that can't be there over the next couple of weeks. And, you know, hopefully we'll be able to see them in the foreseeable, foreseeable future. So I went with, I think, an all-time classic, Living on a Prayer by Bon Jovi. <laughs> hey, don't laugh at me, man. You, you picked Shake It Off by Taylor Swift. I, so I picked Living on a Prayer because I think, like Coach Graham said, I'm going to keep coming back to this quote every time this season. They have the makings of a good football team. You saw the, you saw the defense come out this time. You saw the offense come out last game against Portland State. I think you're really living on a prayer with this team because you really don't know who's going to show up. They are good, but it's just, will they show up? And I'm not sure they're always going to show up. This team has been very inconsistent. And as we're building up, it's their fourth game of the season, going into our fifth this weekend. And, you know, that's when you really start to, like, get sort of an impression, like, you don't have the full identity. We're still, like, technically early in the season but you're, you're starting to get a sense of you know where they're at and this team i think it's a song of inconsistency which is why i'm going with living on a prayer because i'm pretty sure this fan base is me living on a prayer the whole rest of this season okay that's that's fair i think this is this is a pretty interesting song choice for both of us so now i think this is gonna be reese's like least favorite bit of the podcast mostly because so we're trying something new. We're going to pick Mountain West games of the week outside of Hawaii because, you know, we are recapping Hawaii games. I'm going to make you eat your words. I'm going to make you eat them real bad. Fresno State upsets number 13 UCLA. Let's talk about that. Yes. Um, I'd like to, offic- I'd like to um, officially apologize to Bodie, California State University, Fresno. It's football team and it's fan base. They made the top 25 this week after their incredible win at the Rose Bowl. And yeah, their offense is crazy. I mean, you got what Jake Hayner, Ronnie Rivers, Jalen Cropper, they have a ton of talent. I think the fact that Hayner engineered that game-winning drive on an injured hip is gutsy. And, you know, hopefully they're all healthy when they come here in a couple of weeks because that is going to be a fun game to watch. You know, I will say I will be at least a little realistic they did upset number 13 UCLA. But like we were talking about earlier before the podcast, you said, you know, we still don't know. It's early in the season. We don't know if UCLA was for real and if they're actually elite. Like, if you look at the student media poll right now, so UCLA in week three dropped to number 22 in the country. And Fresno State uh, rose to number 23, which I think may have been a little bit from my help. I ranked them at 13th in my latest poll. Yeah, you're giving me that look. So did my friend. Yeah, the 13 may be, uh, may, maybe not. Th- I think it was 14. I, I think I ranked them at 14. Uh, but yeah, it's too rich for some people's blood. But I see it as, I think UCLA, you know, if they were work, if they were ranked 13th, I, I think Fresno State can maybe make that jump. Sure, maybe later down the road they proved that maybe we're I was a little high on them. But hey, just like I said earlier, I'm living on a prayer. And you know what? I'm gonna be going with this team on a wing and a prayer. So now we've got what game because you know I don't want you to feel too uncomfortable about this. Uh what was your Mountain West game of the week? Um I think I would say mine, I think 
I think mine would also be the Fresno UCL game, but we should definitely talk about some of the other games in the Mountain West that happened, like um, like Utah San Diego, and San Diego State. I think the Philly Special and Triple Overtime that ended up winning the game, that was a – what a call. And San Diego State is 3-0 and right now. They're 2-0 in the Pac-12 South. And I know one was against Arizona, and that program is rebuilding. They had actually lost to FCS Northern Arizona on Saturday. But Utah is still a decent program. And like I said, for most of the season, this West Division is seriously loaded this year. So perhaps being fifth in the, in the, in the division isn't that far off for Hawaii. Um, the other game I want to talk about, though, is Utah State Air Force. And Utah State was down by 11 at the half, and they ended up scoring 26 in the second half. And that's a really hard thing to do against a team that runs an offense known for chewing up time of possession with eight to 10 minute drives. And once again, this is another Hawaii, this is another team that's on the schedule for Hawaii this season. So maybe we do have to adjust our preseason predictions again. Yeah, you know, we might be eating our words because when we did our preseason preview, I think both of us thought Utah State, yeah, they're a rebuilding team. We counted them out. They might be for real. They just want to shoot up versus Air Force, like you said, after Air Force absolutely crushed Navy. Th that is boring, though. Navy is probably at least bad for this season. Uh, another thing I wanted to talk about, going back to uh, San Diego State, I, I thought... That was really good. Their defense looks real. They made Charlie Brewer look silly. A former Baylor standout who I actually really liked a little while ago. But yeah, they made Charlie Brewer look terrible. He had, I think, one interception. And he had 104 yards. For a former Baylor quarterback to do that, I think this SDSU defense will be for real. And I think Hawaii, at some point, the Hawaii offense is going to have to show up versus any of these teams. Yeah, you talked about the, the San Diego State defense. They're always consistently one of the top defenses in the group of five, if not even the country. And I think I want to pull outside of the Mountain West as well because that seat in Pullman becomes even hotter. I mean, UCLA, I mean, not UCLA, USC over Washington State 45-14 on Saturday. And the Trojans ended up scoring all of their points after unanswered and in their interim coach's first game. And I saw a stat on Twitter that this was the fourth game of the Nick Rolovich area that era that Wazoo has blown a double-digit lead in a game, and they've actually this is the fourth game they've they've played seven games under him. That's a crazy thing to do. Yeah, I had the box score right here on Bleacher Report. So the Cougars scored two touchdowns in the first half, scored absolutely nothing in the second half. They were outscored. 38 to nothing in the second half. You know, we don't like to be actually that's a lie. We love to be negative on the show. But um, you know, I, I don't know how much longer Nick Rolovich is there. We're not a betting podcast, in no way do we promote betting. But I'll say that I think Nick Rolovich has maybe a week or two left. If he continues to lose over the next if he loses big next week, I think he's gone. If he loses, maybe like if he doesn't lose too big next week and he loses the second game, I, I just think the Rolovich experiment is done in Wazoo. I think it's out in Pullman. That's interesting because when we were, when all the reporters were in the press box on Saturday, one of them had a theory. It was that they thought they were going to, they were going to be looking at the next Washington State coach on the away team sideline. Like 
it's it's possible that he's done after Rolovich is done after this season. Maybe you said next week I'll give him the season, but yeah, it's it's definitely a hot seat. And well, there's what there's what already two open coaching jobs after at this point. Maybe there's three after next week. So we'll see. I think we got around college football and around the nation pretty well talked about some teams that we liked and we even got to the student media poll which um so the next game that the war uh, the next thing that the Warriors will be facing is New Mexico State who's one in three on the season they just came off their first win versus South Carolina State which I, I believe is an FCS team so I mean you know I, they actually wanted a bit of a shootout it was 43 to 35 uh their quarterback Dino Maldonado went 24 32 and I, I think it's still high 75 percentage uh 75 percent completion percentage is pretty high 321 yards three touchdowns zero interceptions then again I guess we also do have to keep in mind this is an FCS team and they still kept it pretty close what, what do you see from this New Mexico State team yeah this is this is kind of a bottom of the FBS level team so Again, this is a for Hawaii. This is probably a must-win game for them, especially after last week. And you know, New Mexico State is it, it's this is it's a team that struggled to score points and sort of relies on their passing to get the job done, based on looking at the season's numbers. And this sort of seems perfect for the Hawaii defense, who you know they're, they're they've they've been great against the pass, and apart from last week, not as great against the run. And you know, defensively, the Aggies give just. A, up just as much on the run as they do on the passing. So again, this is a really great chance for Hawaii to boost its numbers and work on some things before the, the rest of their conference slate comes up this season. Uh, I would also like to note that New Mexico State's, one of their safeties, Devlin Kirkland, he entered the transfer portal earlier on Monday. So maybe that's another factor in that defense. So something I want to talk about, which is really interesting because I'd like to say I'm nowhere near an expert on football and I don't think I should be coaching at all ever but I, I think calvin turner might want to play some um scout team this week because if you look at their top offensive weapon Jawan price he's been leading them everywhere kind of like how turner does and while, while he doesn't have that like quarterback background that turner does he still was their leading run it he was the, he was their leading rusher and he was also um scary through the air he had three receptions, 53 yards, and a 17.7 uh, average cat, uh, average yards per catch. So I, I think outside of the quarterback, which, I mean, you always have to watch out for the quarterback, even with, like, those North Dakota State run-heavy offenses, uh, you're going to have to erase Price somehow. You know, like the Patriots always do, because I'm a Patriots fan, you always have to take away their best player, which – I think it gets plastered on the Patriots a little bit too much because they do it so well. But I think every defense has to do that no matter what. You always have to take away the best offensive weapon. Yeah, definitely. You talked about um, how Turner might play scout team, but I think it's probably not going to be him because But I think because Hawaii has some players that are like former wide receivers turned into running backs like James Phillips. And I think it was a Dior Scott too, right? Yeah, he's saying yes. And then, yeah, so... Definitely. I think if you're a Hawaii's defense, I think you, you don't just be the team you were last week. You don't, they, you guys, they were strong and they were strong early. Um, I think if you give your off chance, offense a chance early, it's, it's going to be decent. I mean, you don't have to be perfect, but you can't just like fall asleep either. And um, 
I think if you want to talk about what Hawaii needs to do to win, I think Todd Graham said it himself. I mean, those third down conversions are they're key. Four of 18 usually means you're not going to win the game. And there were a couple plays that pushed them to third and long, and that ended up leading to more punts. And I think offensively, Hawaii has to be more efficient in the red zone. I mean, they had a couple of short field goals on Saturday, but and the offense I thought was making good progress going down the field until they got about to the 10-yard line, and then it sort of just stalled. You know, I think one point of emphasis that, yeah, we talked about how this you know, Hawaii defense is much improved, that, that they actually, you know, showed up for this game. Something interesting is that this uh, New Mexico Aggies team, uh, I, I like to look on Felicia Report because it gives a lot of good stats. They um, lost a total yardage battle. They lost a penalty battle, and they lost a time of possession battle, which I'm going to keep bringing this up because I think it's such a, Crucial, crucial point. New Mexico State's offense is just everywhere, and they're a sloppy or they, they look like a sloppy team based on their last game against South Carolina State. I, I think uh, another thing is that their defense is kind of like ours. They, they show up at points, but they're really up and down. They allowed 352 yards and four touchdowns to an FCS quarterback. But but there's a butt coming. They also forced three interceptions, which just confuses the C out of me because you, you allow four touchdowns, but force three interceptions. Just, it's a weird spot for that defense to be in because it's a ball hawking secondary, but one that looks susceptible to the big play. Uh, now going into, I mean, you talked about it a little bit. What, what the Warriors need to do to win this game. I mean, I think the bottom line is, Coach Graham said it all season long, ball security. I think it's just because the Jared Smart fumble left a bad taste in my mouth, but ball security is always, always a crucial point. You can't be turning the ball over, especially when you're trying to come back in the fourth quarter like that. You said they only had like, what, five minutes of possession in the fourth quarter. You can't give them back the ball like that. I mean, another thing that... uh I'm going to keep coming back to it because Living on a Prayer is a great song. Everyone should go listen to it. Both sides of the um, ball need to really show up in this game. The, uh, the defense showed up last week, but, I mean, for all we know, they could disappear again this week. Both, all three faces, in fact, need to show up. Offense, defense, and special teams. Yeah, I think you, you made a great point there. They all have to show up, but they also have to also show up early. I mean, you can't be, like, in these, like, the first, what, those two games against UCLA and Oregon State, they fell behind early, and it was just, it was just too. The deficit was just too big to, to make a to make a comeback. So, yeah, I think that I think that uh, yeah, consistency, starting out early, those are definitely big things to do for Saturday. All right. Well, we got our final thoughts in, and you know what they need to do to win this game. I'd like to get one final, final, final thought in. I mean, it's been the story of the season. Offense is up and down. I feel like I keep saying this all the time, and it's such a cliche for me at this point. The offense rides and dies with Cordero. It's an up and down day with him, and I think his chemistry with the receivers. But I think you've seen good things from both sides of the ball, and just consistency 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 that's going to be the tune of the season did you have anything last thing you want to say yeah um 
you know, Saturday was, it was the first game of a tough conference schedule for Hawaii and the way their opponents are, their future opponents are playing is probably going to get tougher. And I think this week is, it's, it's a must win for, I guess the below average F, FBS independent in New Mexico state. So yeah, you got, I think they got to get this one to bounce back. I know the goal is to win the division, but being all bowl eligible would also be great too. And this is a chance to get closer to seven wins. Yeah, you said it, man. So after New Mexico State, they have the daunting Fresno State Bulldogs. And I, I think if you don't win this game and you fall to one and four on the season, I, I, can, I think I can almost lock it up. This, this isn't really a segment, but I'm going to lock it up. I think it's a Hawaii loss versus Fresno State. And then after that, they play Nevada. It's going to be a tough, tough um, middle stretch of the season. So, I mean, ultimately, uh, you hit it on the nail. This is a must-win game. Now, I, I think we've gotten a good sense of where we're at, and I think now's a good time to wrap it up. So, we'll be, uh, we'll be back again next week, recapping the Mexico State game and uh, previewing the Fresno State game, which is actually our homecoming. So, you know, maybe we'll even look to grab a guest to be on our podcast next week. No promises, though. We'll try our best. Uh, from Bodhi Asimoto, my editor, Reese, see you next week. Thanks a lot.